prophet, preacher, sermon leader, rector, reverend, deacon, elder, what the hell is a pastor? Welcome to What the Hell is a Pastor, a podcast about life in set-apart ministry. Each week, we sit down to talk about our experiences and challenges as pastors doing small-town ministry during uncertain times. Join us as we try to figure out what the hell it is that pastors do and how to do it as best we can. So before we get started talking about our weeks, I wanted to provide maybe a caveat to the last episode, last two episodes, where I used the F word more than one might expect from a pastor. And I don't really have a problem with cussing. I think that it is an um, an emphatic form of human expression, and I enjoy utilizing it. But I also recognize that uh, there are situations where it's not appropriate. So I tend to walk that line and I tend to lean more on the side of uh, using the word that I think appropriately expresses my feelings rather than trying to use a, a synonym that we all know what I really mean. So that's, that is how I feel about cussing. Uh, and I know that people disagree with me on that, but that is, that's my stance. Ethan, what do you think? I think that's probably fine. I also cuss a lot. Um, and I am not really bothered by cussing, to be completely honest. Um, uh, maybe not so much around kids. Right. Um, but I think that's a given. Um, I try not to cuss a lot at church, although it does happen. Uh, and, and when I preach, I try not to cuss, although I, I have said the word hell once or twice. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, but besides that, I, I try to look at it as, uh, you know, recognizing that that some some folks in our lives and in the church uh, would would really take issue with that, and so I try to approach it the way Saint Paul talks about. You know, not letting you know, not contributing to like what your your brother or sister stumbling or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I I, I do my best to be as generous with that as I can and kind of and kind of tone it down. Now when I'm off the clock. Uh, and, and yes, you can be a pastor and off the clock at the same time. Uh, I essentially say whatever I want. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my thought. Yeah. And I think that's a good place to be is that we are not imprisoned by a code of politeness that inhibits us from expressing ourselves, but also we want to be sensitive to people who those words are not helpful for them and don't help them express things. So listeners, that's the that's the caveat. We're not going to bleep our words. But if it if it is something that really gets to you, let us know. We'll try to be cognizant of that. Right. So, Ethan, how was your week? <laughs> My week wasn't super great. Uh, I, I don't want to talk a ton about it. I just kind of want to share a story. OK. And then uh, have that be that I. Uh, on Monday had administrative counsel. Which is uh, in the Methodist system, friends. It's it's sort of um, for e- even in in a church like Joe's, it's on a simplified structure. Kind of functions as as sort of the 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 church council. What you're envisioning church council might be like. That's probably that's probably what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, administrative council is um, 
the heads of the various committees of the church and the head of ad council and and really anybody who wants to come show up and we chat about what the committees are doing and new business and old business of the church and and stuff like that. It's a good default committee. So like what I mean by that is is if you have something that you need to bring up kind of, you know, in term brought to the church's attention or if you have an idea or or whatever, administrative council I think is a decent first step, particular particularly if you don't really know where to go. You know, like I don't know if my idea should be brought to worship committee or missions committee or whatever. Well, mm-hmm. Ad Council can help you. And um, the first thing that happened when I arrived at the church for Ad Council on Monday, Mondays are my day off. So the the second Monday of every month, I do not have a day off, which is fine. Um, I, I go to meetings. It's not a big deal. Um, so I show up to the church office to print out my pastor's report. And I walk into my office and I discover that the Xerox machine is broken. <laughs> Oh goodness! Uh, <laughs> and so I called Xerox the next day, and I'm I'm waiting on them. Their tech is coming today. But anyway, so I, I didn't print out my report. Not a big deal. So I arrive at administrative council, and there's really only two things to say. Um, there's a handful of people there. My brand new lay leader is there who is wonderful. I'm really glad um, that she's present and, and, and has really taken on this role. She's uh, in uh, kind of a, a, a young Gen Xer who's relatively new to the church, and I think she's got a lot of talent. I think she's great. And, and her mom is there as well, who also uh, has joined the church and, and is also really great. And so the lay leader's there for lay leader business, and her mom's there because she's a member of the church and wants to come to ad council. Um, good for her. And then uh, typical ad council people are there, and then there's another fellow who's there who I knew was coming because he has uh, created a shadow government at the church to reinstate the search for peace. So – he is coming because he is going to uh, create his, his master plan and lay it out for administrative council. The other folks that are there are um, two folks from the Boy Scout or Cub Scout group that are connected to our church. And I knew that, that they were coming because they had spoken with me uh, a month prior about, about coming. They're, they're new to leading the Cub Scouts, and they, they wanted to come to talk to the church about um, forging new relationships and and seeing who's around to help and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we began with them, and the gentleman who is there to start a search to restart a search for peace is also technically he was named this about ten years ago the Cub Scout liaison to our church. Mm-hmm. Um. And so when they began to talk to us about, you know, hi, we're the new leaders and we're, we're really hoping to be able to really get more involved. You know, part of our vision for the troop is to have a, a stronger relationship with our charter organization. Uh, this gentleman interrupted them and proceeded to yell at them. What? This is your fault. Nobody came to talk to me. 
That's my job. My job is to be the liaison. It's your fault that you didn't approach me. And uh, and so any of the things that you don't like are on you, not on me. Okay. And uh, they said, and they didn't threaten this. They it wasn't a threat. They said, well, you know, I mean, we're I understand that, but we're we've received offers from other churches uh, to be a. a, a a different kind of place to to as the charter organization who you know these are folks who are more interested in working with young people we've been here for a long time and we don't want to do that that's why we're 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 here now to talk about our relationship well it sounds like you're giving us your notice why that's not really our that's not really our plan but but you know we're hoping that this church is going to be interested in working with young people. Now, you have to understand, I am absolutely embarrassed. Absolutely. Um, I am trying to figure out what I need to do. And I think I made the, the, the correct call. I kind of stopped the conversation and I said, of course – we want to serve you and the boys well. Of course, we want to be the charter organization for your troop in the highest and best possible way we can be. While I understand what uh, this gentleman is saying, I know that that we, as your charter organization, have failed to connect with you. and And so this is not your fault this is this is our fault could you give us one month uh until the next ad council to talk about this and then we can give you uh, a really solid answer by then and and if we just don't feel like we can serve you well uh then we can serve you well by transitioning you into a new charter organization sounds great and as they're leaving you know this gentleman was like just remember, it's not my fault. <laughs> and uh, so they left. And then I prayed. And then this gentleman began his spiel about how he is orchestrating a revival of a search for peace. <laughs> and uh, when I asked him why, he he gave me a look like, why not? <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and so... Uh, they talked about it. Other folks at, at Ad Council said they'd help him. And then I asked him. They only, only asked one thing. I asked him if he had prayed about this. And he gave me a look and he said, what's there to pray about? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, so that was my Ad Council experience. That's what happened to me this week. I... um. Again, wish that we videoed these because you could just see me like curling up in tension as you told the story because it just it stressed me out listening to it because that's not the worst possible way that it could have gone. But that is also not not the best ad council meeting you could hope for. No. Oh, me. Oh, my. I. Oh, goodness. It just again, like every story like this makes me 
want to quit. (laughs) (laughs) And they're inevitable is the thing. Like it is inevitable that a church is going to have a meeting like this where one person, um, uh, the phrase that comes to mind is has his ass on his shoulders and just (laughs) decides to, to bully others. It doesn't necessarily have to be male, because um, goodness knows I've seen little old ladies bully their their way through things. Um, yeah, that sucks, and I'm sorry. Ah, uh, it's okay. I uh, immediately after Ad Council uh, reached out to the the Cub Scout folks and apologized on behalf of everybody. They were very gracious. They said that they this went about as well as they expected, <laughs> which mm. is upsetting. And and you know my my whole thing, I don't even really care about the pageant. I, I'm gonna be really honest. Like, there's no chance this is gonna work. Yeah. I, if I was real, like like I'm not that concerned. There's no way it's gonna work. What what concerns me and what I've said to some of my leaders who were there, who were a little surprised by it too was uh this really indicates how unhealthy we are um yeah. we were just we were just asked to serve young people and the leaders of our church said fuck you yeah you know well no and i was like hmm, well okay uh so the final ver- the final part of this is yesterday at bible study um uh, my lay leader's mother, who's uh, once again a member of the church, remember they were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my lay leader's mother uh, comes to Bible study. Her name is Holly. I don't see any problem with saying that. And and Holly uh, comes to comes into the Bible study room, and she might be in her in her sixties, and uh, and and touches me on the shoulder, and says, "You are a man of considerable grace." Mm. That's all she said. Mm. And she sat down and was ready for Bible study. And that um, really is meaningful to me. That, Absolutely. That, that means quite a lot. Um, and that's all we needed to say. That's all it was said. You are a man of considerable grace. And then she sat down. <laughs> and so I am happy that even though I was deeply embarrassed – that my what I responded with um, was something that was able to speak well to new folks at our church because Holly and and her daughter our, our lay leader her name is Heather uh, Holly and Heather are within a year brand new people and and got to witness you know kind of an ugly thing while at the same time saw well in the midst of this ugly thing here is the pastoral leader of this church refusing to be ugly mm. you know in that way yeah i'm ugly in other ways but <laughs> <laughs> my face is ugly but my no. uh, this, listeners since you've never seen me i want you to picture daniel craig from uh <laughs> from from the uh, uh 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 james bond movies that's what i look like um but no and so i i so that's the end of my that's the end of my tale mm. I also had ad cancel on Sunday, but it was fine. We're going to get free internet and better internet. Uh, 
behind-the-scenes look, listeners. Frequently, I show up to the office on a rainy day, and we're going to try to record, and my internet goes out because it's raining, and I have to drive home for us to record. I think what happens is a tree like gets in the way of the signal, but... Such we're we're very up. technological. I assume, <laughs> I assume it's a squirrel, maybe, or... <laughs> Well, it's like the people who, um, the people who discovered the black hole in the middle of the Milky Way were listening for it and kept on getting blocked because, um, well, they thought it was, they thought that the static in their signals was from like pigeon poop on the, the radar, the thing that was transmitting and receiving signals. And so we, you know, animals have played a big role in our understanding of ourselves in the universe. Um, anyway, so we had ad council on Sunday and we got the, the internet guy came in and talked and we all kind of agreed that it was a good decision. Uh, we talked about some trustees stuff and then we talked about, um, we did a bunch of just, we got a lot of good business done, which was nice. And then uh, I was like, let's have a brainstorming session to come up with some concrete ideas for ministries that we want to kind of get going this year as we as we try to reach out into our community more. Because it, it's, it's tricky because the community isn't incorporated and everything's really spread out. And so trying to figure out how we reach people is is a challenge at this church. And we sure. ended up coming out with some really good ideas. Um and it was just, it was a great meeting all the way around. Much better than the last meeting, which got taken up by stuff with the doors. But I think I've convinced enough people on a doors compromise. And I think we're going to be okay. Um, but Sunday morning, I preached a sermon about, um, really rooted in my frustration with the United Methodist Church right now. Um, and, What's and there I, to be frustrated about? Nothing, nothing at all. Everything's <laughs> nothing fine. at all. <laughs> Um, but I, I talked about how it was hard for me to be a Christian this week. Not that it was hard for me to be polite and kind and all those, all those kind of things, but it was hard for me to believe that like the church could be the church anymore. Um, and somehow from that, I transitioned into the baptism story. Um, I think I, I talked about it. I said it's hard because it feels like in order to be a Christian, you have to have a hard heart. You have to know what you believe and you have to believe it unflinchingly. And and I just can't do that because I I want to be open to all sorts of possibilities and all sorts of new perspectives. And I, I just can't be as rigid as I feel like you have to be in order to be a Christian today. And then I talked about how like Jesus wasn't rigid you just Jesus didn't have a hard heart um and talked about John the Baptist and how like even John the Baptist even somebody who's open to the to the changes that God is going to bring in the world was still like but wait like you should be baptizing me and Jesus has to be like we can still fulfill righteousness this way we're fine um and then I had us come up and do a baptismal remembrance and as a part of that baptismal remembrance to to let any hardness that you feel in your heart kind of melt away as you come up to remember that like just like Jesus, you are deeply beloved by God, as is everyone else in this room, everybody else who's been baptized, everybody else in general. So like come forward and, and stand firm in that love and let your heart be softened, blah, blah, blah. It, right. it was great. I liked it. Um, and 
my former head of trustees comes up to me after the service and he's like, I need to get on your list of people to talk to. And I'm like, well, you're already, you're already on my list because I've been doing these listening sessions you talk to, to talk to people out the doors. And he says, well, you know, like I almost left the church last year and it's because the previous pastor stood up there and said that the church was wrong and passing the traditionalist plan. And, you know, I've got some verses in the Bible that, that tell me what I should believe. And all of our lives we've been told that we should look at the world and go to the Bible for wisdom. But now they're telling us that we have to look at the Bible and then go to the world for wisdom. And I just don't think that's the way things should happen. And this is, you know, after the service and the shaking hands line. <laughs> right, yeah, where all that stuff always happens. Right, and I need to, like, get to the administrative council, so I need, I need to go. And I, I have several chatters who come out the back door, so I have to have to usually hurry them along anyway. But he's like, it's uh, well, we'll find a time, we'll set up a time. He's like, just just text me because texting doesn't it doesn't disturb anybody's life, you know. It's easier than a phone call. And I'm like, you're concerned with with not disturbing anybody, so so you want to text, but not not concerned about any disturbance that your your theology might have. Okay. Um, and so I spent. I, we figured out a time to meet, um, and his wife was going to come with him because we were also going to talk about the doors. His wife is the financial secretary, uh, mm-hmm. and I kind of need both of them to stay because he's also like the church handyman, and also they have money. So Right, right. And yet you feel kind of gross to be like, well, i got to keep the homophobe in. But um, anyway, that's a really reductionistic way of talking about somebody who is a dear member of the congregation and who is well-beloved and <laughs> – I get you. It's but but also like that's the the rhetoric that we have. Anyway, so we um set up a time to meet and I spend the next two days being so worried about this meeting and so worried about like what to say and how to interact and just getting kind of eaten up on the inside about it. And then um come to the meeting and he explains it, explains he well he pulls out 1 Corinthians 6. Uh, verses 9 through 10, which is a list of, of sins that if you keep on committing them, you you certainly will not inherit the kingdom. And it's like adultery and sodomy is in the list and greediness and... Good old sodomy. Right. Well, sodomy is one he focuses on. And um, so I, I go to, well, you know, the Bible says that women shouldn't be pastors. So how do you kind of reconcile that? with the existence of women pastor because oh no i'm fine with that i'm like well so okay so let's let's try another test case uh so the bible says that like we shouldn't eat shellfish so he's oh no that's a dietary law that's fine i'm i'm fine with not paying attention to that and i'm like so this it's really just like this that you're focused in on homosexuality and honestly not he said not even not um like lesbian women are fine and, and right. all the kind all of the rest of the the alphabet soup is what he called it is fine i, I get that a lot yeah, actually but keep, really keep just, going keep going yeah he really is just against um having a gay men in the pulpit and yeah and and i yeah. he he talked through his reasons and there's there's a really deep reason for why that is and i understand it and his wife is actually She's more concerned that we are not caring for the poor in the way that we're supposed to because we're so caught up with this fight. And I'm like, same. Like, that's I'm absolutely on your page. And uh, she's uh, she isn't going to start flying a rainbow flag, but she is not anti-LGBTQ. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had this conversation and I ended up coming out to them as part of the conversation and they didn't react to it. So I think they didn't understand it. I think that's what's happening a lot when I come out to people. <laughs> it's like, maybe they just think, maybe, maybe nobody's listening to you. <laughs> it might be, it might be because it hasn't caused a stir yet. And the, this is one person that I was. When I was outed at my church, this is the one person that I was worried about the news getting to and in, in him going up in arms about it. Um, but we ended up, like, having a good conversation, and and he said that, like, he doesn't respect me any less for supporting LGBTQ people. He just can't, and he knows that it's a hardness in his heart. He shows no willingness to work on this hardness of heart. Sure. But it's, he, like, he knows this is one thing. He knows he has a double standard with it. Um, and, and I think he was really afraid of being kicked out of the church for it. Mm. And cause, mm. cause he knew which way the church was going and he's like, well, I am being forced out. Uh, uh, that's not, that's what's not happening. That's not what's happening here. But he also tried to have this conversation with the previous pastor and the previous pastor wouldn't sit down with him to talk about it mm-hmm. and just kind of mm-hmm. shut him off. And I, I don't know what went on with that. So he really just appreciated being heard and gave me a big hug at the end of it. Um, it was great. Like it was just so much That's better. Good. Yeah, yeah. I anticipated it being a really horrifying conversation, and it was great. Um, and yet, I still want to quit my job. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is what I've been bumping up against. Is like this church has been so supportive of me, and is is healthy in the way that you have seen at your administrative council meeting that like parts of your church are not healthy. Sure. And like, they just don't have anything like that, that they're hanging on to. And it's other than like the fiasco with the doors, <laughs> um, which is, I totally see how that happened. And it's not just the congregation. It's a whole, a whole heap of stuff, but like my, my district is so supportive. I have a great district superintendent. Like I could not have asked for a better placement, and I still deeply want to be done with the church. And I I don't know what to do with that feeling. I'm like, I'm not making any moves with that feeling because right. that's that would be rash. But it's like the more I think about it, the more I see that I might I, I am well suited for pastoral ministry. There's so much about it that I enjoy doing and I think that I would I would be great at, I am great at it and would continue to be great at it. It's just that every time I have to engage with people who who say that LGBTQ people can't be ordained and can't be married because it's just not the way that God wanted it. Like it it messes with my mental health so much like the suicidal ideation this past week has just been through the roof and that's even with the protocol saying that like the traditionalists are going to go and and that theology should in theory be mostly going with it like I just I feel I have been hurt so much by the church in the past and it is such an uphill climb for inclusion and the whole discussion is so triggering for me that I feel like the best thing for me to do is to step away for right now and like this should absolutely be my fight and i should stay in it i just don't know that i can sure and that sucks because like because 
like two or three years ago, I would have said like, yes, this is, I am an ally and I am here for this. And there are gay kids who need to be, that's, that was my phrase all through seminaries. There are still going to be gay kids in Western North Carolina that need to be cared for. Right. And so I need to go back and help. But I don't know. I was talking to my therapist today because I had to rearrange therapy because I had an appointment with the local elementary school principal. Like you're talking about the the Boy Scouts in in your church not wanting to help young people in in that particular meeting. And I have been mentioning to people that like all, all the school needs is for people to come in and volunteer and be like reading buddies for an hour a week and just to consistently show up. And I've had like 15 people be like, yes, let's do this. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I mean, they are in such a good place and I hate to leave them, but also like if I have a mental breakdown a year and a half from now, because I can't heal because I'm stuck in this situation, that's not going to do anybody any good either. So it's, it's tough. And it is. it's a job where, you uh, you can't just detach from it and do the job well. I know we talked about that a lot earlier mm -hmm. in in our this year of podcasting, but yeah, you have to you have to be able to engage this with all your heart and mind and soul. Like you have to be able to put yourself into this, and if you can't, you're not going to be as effective as you as you should be as you could be. Should it's not a good word there, but you're going to be less effective if you have to shut off in order to do this job. Right, right. And, yeah, and I don't want to, I don't know. I don't want to do, I don't want to be a bad pastor. I don't want to cause people spiritual harm. And I worry that I might if I don't take the time to take care of myself now. Which sure. Are things that was was said to me in seminary, because <laughs> they said that in all the pastoral care and counseling classes is take care of your stuff so you don't so you don't end up harming others. I just think that I thought it would be I thought that I would heal more quickly. I thought that things would be easier, and I just didn't realize that realize what this general conference was going to be and how it was going to mess with me just as much as the last one did. No matter how prepared I think I am for it. So. I feel that. I feel that. And you know, like I think that one uh, not I don't want to talk about the protocol almost at all, but since we beat it to death. But remember, the protocol makes this kind of odd assumption, which is uh, that traditionalists uh, are just people that have a particular negative stance on LGBTQ inclusion. But that's we, we, we discover as pastors in local churches that that's not true. Right. That there are plenty of folks. I, I shouldn't say plenty. That there, there, there is, there are folks who don't really know how they feel about LGBTQ folks or even LGBTQ inclusion, uh, but who have no interest in joining another church. Mm-hmm. You know, these aren't, these aren't terribly radicalized folks. These aren't, uh, folks who, who I think that um, queer folks have anything to fear from. Like these aren't the kinds of people that will join, uh, you know, uh, a secret society to eradicate anybody or or even right. work very hard to silence voices or, or anything like that. But but the idea that somehow this theology, this, this negative or damaging theology will disappear if the protocol is passed is is – is of course 
not might not be true. Because yeah. because remember the traditionalist, a true traditionalist is just a radicalized person. It's just a person who is prepared to go through the headache of joining a church of such hom- homogeneity and 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 uh, and stuff where you know all what they hear over and over is just the same political right wing talking points that they want to hear. And by and large, by and large, uh, folks like that are already a part of denominations like that. Right. You know, all the folks from this church that felt that way have left the church that I serve mm-hmm. and they've joined the local Baptist churches. That's actually a lot of what's happened at my church, too, is if they wanted to be a little more conservative, they are no longer in our church. Yeah. Um, and there are conservative folks at, at my church, but but they're not they're not radicalized evangelical folks. Mm-hmm. They're just conservative folks who who enjoy being Methodist. Yeah. <laughs> they they might not be totally comfortable with having a gay pastor, but they're also not going to not be Methodist. You know, they're going to stick around. They're going to do this, and and they'll eventually have a gay pastor, and it's not going to be a big deal, and it'll be fine. Yeah, I, it's just that, the road that to that yeah. day is right. It's a long rough. road, and yeah. it's a rough road. Yes, absolutely. I'm not. I'm certainly not denying that. But uh, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Well, I mean, hey, this is what do, what do I say? This is a job. Like any other job, we can quit. There's consequences, obviously, for us, you know, and and like when anybody quits any job. But uh, quitting is totally an option. Never let anybody tell you otherwise, kids. <laughs> right. You know, quitters never win. No, quitters survive. <laughs> Quitters survive and can fight another day. That's what quitters. That's what happens to quitters. Yeah. Like like I saw on Facebook the other day. I think Annalise posted it. um, Mount Everest is full of bodies of determined individuals who chose not to quit. (laughs) Uh, And I'm like, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And also the four Sherpas who got taken down because they didn't quit. Exactly. And so that, yeah. that's kind of my thing. What did, that's my favorite thing from Bonhoeffer class. Bonhoeffer proclaims that there's no room for heroes in the Christian faith. Where does he say that? He says that in an essay. It's like one of my favorite times I, I've read Bonhoeffer. It's when he, he writes about um, – it's an essay where he writes about uh, 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 the church and Christian thought uh, as opposed to kind of Nazis – fascism kind of stuff where he he claims that that the german church is sort of enamored by this idea of the ubermensch of of, mm. of the human hero right? right and and bonhoeffer uh kind of counters with that and says remember jesus is not a hero jesus is not a hero in any discernible way we can understand he he, he simply dies um and that makes all the difference you know, like, like Bonhoeffer's like, it makes all the difference. Jesus is not a Greek solar hero. He's not a, he, he's, he's not the Ubermensch. He's not. He's the yeah. everyman, you know. <laughs> he's just, he's just a dude. He's God, but he's just a guy. He's just a guy. He's just a person. And, uh, I think that means a lot to me too. So. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe it's in the the church and the Jewish problem. That might be it. Yeah. Be it. I'll look it up. Yeah, I. That was another thing that my my therapist brought up. She's like, you know, there's there's a person who can can help this church grow. Does it have to be you? And the answer is no. Like it doesn't sure. it doesn't have to be me. However, there's a very specific salary grant that is tied to me being there, and my DS pulled strings to get me there. And I would hate to build these people up for a year and then walk away. But it would also be worse if I built these people up for a year and a half and then had a mental breakdown. So. Sure. So, so I, I am no mental health expert, other than the fact that I'm not always mentally healthy. <laughs> so, <laughs> Same here. And so, uh, but you know, I, I'm I'm not necessarily I'm I don't I don't necessarily think that like we we drop our commitments right like like we still have commitments we still we still make them you know, um, but maybe this means that. There is a sense in which you um, uh, pull back, or you uh, develop thicker boundaries, or, or, or you, you know, you, or uh, I think about this a lot too. Or, or we we become um, deeply local church oriented people. You yeah. and I are, are political and public people by nature, or mo- at least I am, and I think you are too. Yeah, and, I would say that. And, yeah. And I think that uh, perhaps the answer – I think I brought this up in the last episode. Perhaps the answer is smallness. Right. You know, like maybe, maybe we just need to think smaller, you know, and, and say, okay. I mean, ultimately, that's my orientation towards the Democratic primaries right now. You know, uh, I, I had a something of a mental breakdown when I was watching Fox News after the Iran stuff, like when Trump was, was poking Iran and was going to – was going to plunge us into a third war, a third world war. Um, uh, and I'm watching some Fox News thing at like a place I was at. And, and, and I don't know who these people were, but there are these pundits who were just like, war is going to be great. Like, like I'm watching those words come up on the subtitles. I'm like, and I'm like looking at them. And, and, and I began to have a heart attack. Like I began to have like a breakdown where I was like, what has happened? Like, like what? 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 Like, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> war is yeah. war is terrible. Like, this is going to be awful. Like, you can't say this. And and so I I was like, okay, maybe maybe I need to stop. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I need to stop for a moment. And that's that is my because again I'm not making any final decisions now. Um, but that's my plan for the next like month or so is to just kind of like pull back from news and pull back from things and just focus on getting out of the getting out of the hole that I've been plunged into (laughs) and seeing if that helps it's I but I also feel like my ordination paperwork is due at the beginning of February and I feel like I should defer for a year I don't even know what that looks like I'm gonna talk to my DS about it because she's she's got a good heart and she is um one of the other pastors in the in the area was like you know she's she's a very pastoral DS so she like she really cares about her pastors and so I think I'll have a conversation with her and see what she thinks I just like it's like it was scary how fast the the mental health downturn has been over the past week or so and I, I don't know that I have the the durability to endure a whole lot of that. Sure. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And and we talked about this a couple of couple of weeks ago now. Like there's actually no rush to get ordained. Yeah. Not really. You know, it, it like I get it. I understand why we want to totally. And and I still think we should. But you know, there's no rush. And I think that my real push for getting ordained and getting through the process or getting commissioned was that I was afraid that the in whatever happened in General Conference 2020, I wouldn't be guaranteed that I would stay at the same place in the process. But with mm-hmm. the UMC kind of just continuing, then I can just continue to be a candidate and it's it's less of a concern. So I like that pressure is off. I feel like I'm in a like despite the fact that I am mentally in a place where I don't know how I can deal with the church in general. I feel like I am in the best possible place to just kind of grow for a little bit before I go for full ordination, full commissioning. Then again, that pay bump. So that's kind of where I'm at. Nice. I'd like that. (laughs) Right. I'd like that pay bump. Well, I think that's good, Joe. I think that. That makes sense to me. I think I think the lingering question for me is why should I stay in a job that like the job itself is actively bad for my mental health? Like my relationship with the church right now is actively bad for me. And do I like be a martyr and just stick it out and just, you know, pray a little harder or do I cut and run and do what's best for me? And I, I'm going to take time this weekend and really kind of figure it out and see if I'm panicking or not. <laughs> and I and I think that'll be helpful. I yeah. think it's, that's always good for all of us listeners is take some time and, and figure it out because you might be panicking and you don't even know it. Oh, yeah. I think that's definitely true. And I, I get that way. I panic as well and in different cases. And, you know, I think that you might be panicking a tad Okay. Maybe from my perspective, but I but I don't know. Like like I remember, I I think that one of the the best places to um uh withdraw in this job is is to withdraw from the conference, right? And and to withdraw into the local church, because I mean there, there's always exceptions to that. We you we have colleagues that are in truly toxic local churches. Yeah. That uh, and and you and I, by and large, are, are not in situations like that. Um, but for us, I, I think that as things uh, get bad for us, you know, from from the kind of big global or conference level, um, recognizing that that ultimately, uh, particularly as local pastors, we are asked to serve the local church. Right. Um, I think is helpful. Yeah, just kind of repeating the advice of, it might be two episodes ago, of, like, find the good thing that you can do and do it. Like, right. find something local that is you can actually see God moving in and just put your energy into that. Because at least you're bringing some good into the world. Exactly. Exactly. Well, do you want to sign us out? Yes, I was about to ask. Friends, thanks for listening. This has been What the Hell is a Pastor. We are Ethan and Joe, and we will see you next time.